born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to it. Anywhere, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it does. Turn to John chapter, ah, what's a good chapter? John chapter 16. Very good, very good. All right, well, look in John chapter 16. There's times whenever I look at certain chapters, and I'll read a certain verse, and I'll think, now, it looks like where they're finally getting this thing right, but um, just a, a couple of things. Look here in verse 29. Verse 29, John chapter 16, verse 29. He says, His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speaketh no proverb. Now, it's like, is the apostles, I mean, these disciples, they're telling Jesus how to speak. In other words, hey, would you speak where we can understand what you're having to say? Like, Lord, you're, you're confusing us. How would you like to straighten him out? But then you look down there in verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Do you now believe? What do you mean? You're saying before this year they didn't believe? And now they finally are believing? Man, I'll tell you. If they're just now believing, what about all those times before that? I thought they were all saved already. So, lo and behold, is there no solution? It gets so confusing, so complicated. And then sometimes we might need just to read a little bit better and look in the context a little bit more. So, because of that, we're going to look in chapter 16, verse 1. All right, verse 1. Jesus knew that he was going to be leaving, of course, but his disciples didn't know everything. He'd already given certain clues, but evidently they didn't want to ask him. You know, they didn't want to ask him. Maybe they didn't want to trap him. Have you ever had kids in the class and, you know, they were afraid to ask you a question because they didn't want to stump you? I've never had that. I've always felt that if a kid could stump me, he would. In other words, I got a a question. I bet you don't know the answer to this. I tried that several times with Dr. Seymour. You don't do that with Dr. Seymour. He turns it around and he'll have you trapped and nothing flat. He could get me saved and lost in the same lesson, same class. He was good. If he knew what he was doing. And he would play the part of a Jehovah's Witness and say, okay, now I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Now convince me. And by, by the time he got through, you, you almost wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, he was, he was that good in the scripture. He could take all the verses that you know. By the time he got through, you're not sure. I'm in the wrong school, wrong class. 
And then before he'd get through with it, though, he'd tie it all together and give it back to you, and you'd say, Phew. And uh, But you never wanted to debate Dr. Seymour. Or Ron C. Geron. I watched Ron C. Geron in action, and th- that, that guy is good. You know, there's some guys that are good, and then there's guys that are really good. You ever seen a commercial on TV about those guys that play golf, you know? And, you know, these guys are good. Well... Anyway, in John chapter 16, verse 1, look what he says here. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Well, did you know that they often got offended? They even got offended because they asked him, said, do you know you offended somebody? And then he says in another chapter, he says, does this offend you? Because he knew that some of the things he says was offensive. All truth is offensive to the natural man and many times to the saved man. Because even after we trust Christ as our Savior, we still like to serve the Lord our way. Don't we? We don't mind serving God as long as we can do it our way. And God said, no, that dog won't hunt. So he says here in verse 2, they shall put you all out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh. Now he's giving them some good news here. You can tell already, right? He's giving them some good news. He's letting them know not everything is going to go your way. Not everything's going to be wonderful down the road, and don't read ahead. I hate it when I'm talking and everybody's reading the scriptures. But he says, that whosoever killeth you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, I didn't mind this other part. But uh, like some of those hippies, you know, they used to have these, you know, sit-ins and love-ins and cookouts. And <laughs> when they find out what the cookouts were, <clears throat> he said, I don't mind any love-ins, I don't mind any sit-ins, but these cookouts... <laughs> You know, there was a time when they used to put a tire over a person, set it on fire, and set you on fire. That's a terrible way to go. But when it comes to the Lord, he doesn't always paint a pretty picture of what you're going to have to face. You see, you don't even have a clue what's coming tomorrow. You think you do. I think I do. And But you know if you serve the Lord, you know God's going to walk you through it, right? You already know that. You know, he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. So you can be good about that. Sometimes it would just be helpful just to have a little clue. But, you know, if God told us what was going to happen tomorrow, we may not want to get out of bed. I ain't getting up. I'm standing right here. We would try to change history. That's why I think there are certain things that God has not revealed in his word until right when the time, because people could try to alter, you know, what God wanted to have accomplished. But anyway... Another servant. But look what he says then. That whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Think about it. Are there people over in the Middle East even right now killing people thinking that they're doing God a service? They are religious people. And they worship Allah. You know what all these um, groups, you know, they talk about the Hamas and they talk about the, the Kurds and the Sunnis and all that. In, in the brotherhood. All these various names that they have. They're all the same. And they have the same problem, and, but they've got a common denominator. It's like an octopus. You cut off this one, and then there's this one. You cut off that one, then there's this one. And you cut off that one, and there's this one. And while you're trying to get this one, this one's regrowing, and that's regrowing, and that's regrowing. And it don't end. Why? Because, you see, they have a common denominator. They all use the Koran. They all use the Koran. The Koran teaches what they're doing. All they're doing is obeying the Koran. They're not extremists. They're just a good, average, good Muslim. 
They are good Muslims. The good Muslims are the ones that do what they're doing. The bad Muslims are those that won't do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, we have some bad Muslims in America because they won't do what they're doing because if they did, we'd spot it and we'd try to stop it. But they come in and it's nice and sweet and peaceful and why they just love us just, just, just like we are. No, they're not. That belief system is an ideology that will slit your throat sooner or later. And if we don't stop it, we don't have to stop it over there. We need to stop it here. And anyone who claims loyalty to the Koran cannot love Israel and do not love America. And they want to replace our form of government with Sharia law. You say, no, that's not true. Yes, it is true. And if our president and our Congress don't wake up and realize that, there is not going to be any victory. Because they don't recognize the enemy. Am I being understood? See how easy it is for y'all to understand what I'm saying? Why can't they be clear? Because it's the truth. Because it's not politically correct. That is too offensive. But anyway, there's people that are going to kill you, he says. And they'll think they're doing God service. They're doing God a favor. They're doing it all in the name of God. And the other night when I was listening to this speech and it says, this ISIS has nothing to do with the religion of Islam. I thought, what side of the bed did you get out of? But, <laughs> but anyway, you say, people say, well, you know, you ought not put politics into religion. Okay? If you don't have any religion in politics, you can't have politics. Religion and politics go together. They say, well, there's two things you never worry about, religion and politics. You don't argue about those things. One is what you believe, and one is how you live. And what you do in life is because of what you believe. So you see, it's important what teaches the mind. So if you want to change the world, that's why Christ is going to all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them the word of God. So that the people will do what God says do. God is against all other religions. And he doesn't even consider Christianity a religion. But God is against what is being done. But anyway, in verse 3 he says, And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. They don't know the Lord. There's religious people, sincere but lost. And the key thing is trying to win them to Christ. Well, one of the things that I think is so interesting is how you've got universities and colleges and so forth, all of them, and people come from all over the world to America. And a lot of them come right to Tampa. You see, we don't have to go into all the world. The world's coming to us. They even come across our borders just so we can witness to them. They don't know that, but I think that's the number one need that they have. If we started witnessing to everyone that came across the border, they'd probably stop. We don't need to send the armed guards down there. We need to send soul winners down there. And everyone that comes across, you've got to win them to Christ. I think it would be awesome. But anyway. In verse 4, he says, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, 
You may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because it would have scared you to death. (laughs) But anyway, because I was with you. I was with you. But now he's telling them, I am not going to be with you much longer. In a little while, I'm going to leave. And then in a little while, I'm coming back. So he says in verse 5, but now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? You're like, where are you going? But because I have said these things unto you, and you ought to underline these words, sorrow hath filled your heart. He knew how they were thinking. He knew that there were some dark days coming right ahead of them. Now, he knows it, but they didn't know everything. But they were sorrowful because of the things he'd said. Sorrow because, yes, they, they get offended. And some people get easily offended. But there's things that they need to listen to and need to learn. So he's going to tell them something that's supposed to bring them such great joy. Now, remember, he says, some going to kill you. <laughs> but I got some good news, too. You're going to get to see me and be with me. Uh, yes, but, uh, you know, that little part you added in there right before that, you know. Uh, you know, as you look at that, whenever he made the statement, you know, and one of you shall betray me. You know what they said? Is it I? Is it I? <laughs> Who is it? Not me. One of y'all, some of y'all are going to be killed. Him, 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 him. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but you don't know the future. And you don't have a clue what's coming down the road. So God tells us things in order to help us ease our mind. He didn't say, okay, I'm not going to let anything happen to you that's bad. (sighs) That's so much better. But he didn't do that. So he says here in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, which will not come unto you. And if I depart, I will send him unto you. Because I was with you, you weren't afraid, but I'm going to leave. So the comforter is going to come and give them the peace that he gave them because as long as they was with the Lord, they felt safe. They felt safe. You know, it's when they saw him get killed, they became afraid and locked themselves in an upper room. But after they saw him again, you realize how bold they were, how much confidence they had. And people knew, hey, they, they've been with Jesus. But he's going to leave. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Ever. But he says, I got somebody that's just like me. He's going to come and he's going to be with each one of you. See, they had to follow him. Now the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us and will guide each one of us into all the world to do what God wants us to do. So he says in verse 7, It is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. If I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not. Of righteousness because they go to my Father. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You see, as we go into all the world and we preach the gospel and so forth, that wonderful message we have is what the Holy Spirit uses to convince the lost man that he needs that he's an unbeliever, that he's going to be judged. And, and like he says here, you're not righteous, but God has a righteousness. See, this wonderful message we have solves the problem of the whole world. Everybody needs what we have. So the Holy Spirit's going to come into the world. And he says in verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. 
And this is why we have the rest of the scriptures that have been written so that we can get those things and we learn little by little by little. And then he says in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is come, get this, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He's not an unholy spirit. He leads you into truth. He never leads you contrary to truth. He doesn't lead you away from truth. The Holy Spirit leads you to do that which is right. It's honoring to God. It will lead to a holy life because that's what the Holy Spirit does. So you can't say the Holy Spirit led me to commit murder. The Holy Spirit led me to commit adultery. The Holy Spirit led me to... No, the Holy Spirit only leads you to do right. He doesn't lead you to do wrong. So I've had people say, well, Yankee, I prayed about it. And then they do something that's not right. Because they prayed about it. Well, I don't care if you did pray about it. You should have waited for an answer from God. Because if it's from the Lord, it will always be right. So anyway, down here in verse 13, he said, For he shall not speak of himself. That's why you always be careful of people who always talk about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit always magnifies Christ. Magnifies Christ. Teaches you about Christ. Leads you to Christ. And so there are some churches just built upon the Holy Spirit. But that's not what the Holy Spirit does. But look what he says here. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. As, of course, when you read in the book of Revelations and Scripture and other things that have been revealed. But he also says here in verse 14, he shall glorify himself. Is that what it says? He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So if the more you want to know about the Lord, the more you want to know about Christ, then the Holy Spirit that indwells you is to teach you the word of God so you'll know more about God, more about Jesus Christ. He magnifies him. And then he says here in verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that uh, he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So the Holy Spirit is one that leads and guides us. Yeah, he shows things to us. But remember, I used to hear people always, and they'd say, Lord, lead God and direct when they pray. Lord, lead God and direct. But they never read the Bible. How does the Holy Spirit lead God and direct? Well, I don't need the Bible, and I don't need church. I got the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to let him lead God and direct. It sounds so spiritual. But the Holy Spirit leads you to the church and leads you to the Word of God so that you'll learn how he's to lead you and guide and direct. Otherwise, it's a spiritual prayer, but it means zero. Because you cannot do it, exclusion of the word. You've got to have the word. Look in verse 16. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, you shall see me, because I go to my Father. Then said some of the disciples uh, among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. Because I go to my father. So verse 18. They said therefore. What is this that he saith? A little while we cannot tell what he saith. In other words they did not get it. They didn't understand what he's talking about. It's like he's speaking in a parable. And they didn't understand. This is why whenever you read the rest of these verses. He will explain that. And as he explains that. Then they said in verse 29. His disciples said unto him. Lo, now speakest thou plain. In other words, now we understand what you're saying. 
and speaketh no problem. In other words, you, we, we understand what you're saying now. Because see, with his disciples who wanted to know the truth, he explained the things to them. He taught them. This isn't that what he was now saying was a proverb and they didn't understand it. Now, no, they're saying just the opposite. You see, you can read that verse and it says this, and lo and behold, when you put it in the con, it's saying something to He's not explaining why they can now understand. And so when he says in verse 31, do you now believe? Believe what, believe what he's talking about here. There was sorrow in their heart. They were down. They were discouraged. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. So I believe that it has a reference to this. But look again there in verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. In other words, because of what's going to happen to you. Not only because of what's going to happen to you, but they're going to find out what happens to him. Because when they see what happened to him, were they rejoicing or were they down? They were afraid. Because, you see, uh, those are some dark days coming. And he says, there's going to be a what? You're not going to see me. And then after a while, I'll be back. Somebody said that before Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back. And he came back. And I got news for you. He's coming back again. So he makes this statement here in this verse 20. This is a good verse. That ye shall weep and lament. But the world shall rejoice, and get this, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. There's things that God says, yes, they're going to happen to you in life. And as I read scripture, I don't always just try to read it for what they do. I was trying, what can I learn from this? How can I apply this to my life? And so as I live my life, I always find, yes, there's always things that produce sorrow. There's always a lot of grief in life. Seems like a lot of things just goes against the grain and goes wrong. But you also, in the back of your mind, you know, now, I don't understand all this. I can't explain all this. I wish I could just wait my, wave my little magic wand and it all go away. But it doesn't. But you know that on the other side of this problem, God is going to teach me something for it. The other night I read a thing on Wednesday night. I did it on the radio, too, because of a friend of mine named Linda Taylor years ago. And all of the things that happened to her. She got married when she was young. She had a teenage husband. And he had a car wreck and he died. She got married later and her husband left. Then she remarried and he committed suicide. Her son, he was 12 years old when he got cancer. He lost his arm. And then he died of cancer after that. And she just had lots and lots of misery. But after all these years, she, now she goes around and she talks to people that have a lot of stress in their life. But those lessons that she had to learn were very expensive. You see, what makes you more valuable down the road is the expenses, the price you have to pay to learn certain lessons. And so there's ministries can be made out of miseries. So do you have any miseries in life? Turn them into ministry. What did you learn from it? What did God teach you? How strong were you? I fell apart. Okay, you fell apart. But did God put you back together again? Yeah, because see, not everybody stays strong in all the problems. And sometimes there's grief that you just can't hardly bear. A lot of sorrow. 
but you can still keep strong and serve the Lord. But sometimes we, we fall. We just we fail. But God always wants us to know, look, it's not the end. And there can be joy. Joy is J-O-Y. That's Jesus and you with nothing between. Uh, some people say, well, that's Jesus and others and yourself. But anyway, learn that there is joy. But sorrow shall be turned into joy. If sorrow is turned into joy, then you would want more sorrow. Right? Let me read that again. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. Oh, then give me a lot more. If I was to tell you that all the green dollars that you have in your purse or your wallet is going to be turned into gold. But you can't have the gold right now, but you can have those dollars right now. Would you want some more dollars? Maybe a little bit. And the more that God blesses you, the more you know that you're going to have down the road. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. It's going to be worth it all. But look again here. Let's see there in verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is coming to the world, born into the world. Now, it doesn't say that about a woman, but it does say that about the, the boy. It doesn't say it about a girl, but it does say it about a boy. Okay, well, we'll, we'll throw the girls in there too then. All right. But now I've never had a child, personally. But I know a lot of women that has these youngins, and they seem like it's it's like it's murder. And they cry and they weep and they scream. And that the little child is born, like whenever I was born, that's when my daddy screamed. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the ugliest kid in the world. <laughs> oh, the, and then, bless that doctor. He said it looked just like his daddy. But anyway, it's all right. It's all right. Precious little boy I was. In verse 22, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your hearts shall rejoice. Your joy no man taketh from you. Hey, see, hey, it's going to get dark. What they're going to do is they're going to kill me, see. And, and I'm going to be dead. But I'm going to come back from the dead. And you're going to be alive. You're going to be filled with joy. And I'm going to give you the greatest ministry in all the world. To go into all the world and tell everybody what you saw and what you heard. And he talked about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The greatest hope any man can ever have. Because we know that one of the greatest sorrows in the world is dying, losing our loved ones. So the greatest joy is to see that they're alive. They are alive. And they're better off now than they ever were. But sometimes we lose sight of that. And so he says down here in verse 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. He said, And ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I will not answer, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father loveth 
You, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speaketh no proverbs. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needeth not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered, Do you not believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, when ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because my Father is with me. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.